Okay, going through the individual difficult time. Now we'll go back to Second Timothy. Does that help for all of us? Next time you have a time, think about those things. We can get through. That's pretty good news. Just we're gonna because we know the bad news is gonna happen, but the good news is is there. He always gives us an answer of how to do it. Seek him and seek his word. It helps tremendously. Now, we're gonna go to difficult times for the church, and like I say, this is gonna seem like boom, boom, boom. It's very rapid, but when sometimes uh, you go through certain words and it just jumps out at you anyway, but it says, be kind, right? Be patient, not quarrelsome, gentle. That's what he's already told Timothy. And that's how we're going to get to it. But realize this. In verse 24 and 25, that's what Paul told Timothy. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. So, kind and gentle. Don't avoid the truth. Give the truth to unbelievers, even believers. And now he says, but. And that always got me. What does he mean? He starts a new chapter here. He says, but, realize this. That doesn't make sense. How would you start a new section? But realize this. Remember, there really aren't chapter divisions in the original text. And sometimes, I think most of the time, they're very helpful. But sometimes it uh, it kind of stops the flow of what's already been said in this letter. He said, okay, you, you be this way. You be gentle. You be kind. You address them. You give them truth. And maybe God will bring them to repentance, right? To that knowledge of repentance. And, and they'd be brought out of the snare of the devil having been held captive by Him to do His will. He says, when you're doing that, when you're, you know, you're, you're addressing them, realize this, you're in difficult times. That's going to come, Timothy. It's going to get really rough, Timothy. It's going to happen. It's already happening. Don't relax. But don't relax is kind of the idea of what he's saying here. Because it's going to be hard. There's some tough times coming. Last days, um, very easy. I have scriptures to go to, but um, the last days from the church, the time of actually Christ, whenever He was here to uh, walking on earth, and of course then He died on the cross. We know about His life, death, burial, resurrection, His ascension, and here it is these 2,000 years after that. I will build my church. He's been building it. He's doing it. And... um, these last days, you can look Daniel 2.28, Isaiah 2.2, Acts 2.17, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. In these last days, He has revealed His Son. And First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, He says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will fall away from the faith. Okay, last days there had already begun. It was going. And uh, that's simply what what it is, and all my commentaries that I read, and so I don't I don't think I have to really prove that, but it's it's good to know. Um, and whenever Paul wrote this, this this was deep in to the heart of um, New Testament times, wasn't it? It's the last letter that Paul wrote. We're talking about in the '60s, so it's not just the very uh, time of uh, whenever Christ first came back 
but it uh, extends on throughout the church. And then you look in uh, the writings of John. And anyway, um, difficult times. Difficult. You look in Matthew 8.28 and it talks uh, there of a word that where it's used again. Um, and it's dealing with dangerous, violent, fierce, Jesus is doing his ministry and runs at the one who's possessed. You remember the two men of Gadarenes? They were eventually cast into the swine. When he came to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent. The word that is used in Timothy is the same as that. That word means fierce, harsh, dangerous. Those times have been around during the epics, the times, seasons, epics, particular times, savage seasons. People in the church persecuted, killed. Challenge constantly. And they will increase in severity. And we could go back. The early church faced Gnosticism. Right from the very get-go, there was false teaching. Matter of fact, go back to Judaism. They were first having that. The circumcision. They had to face that constantly. And that's, that's why Paul was so, had so many difficulties preaching the Gospel. And then after that, there was Gnosticism which came into the church. We're talking about the church difficult times. Not just out in the world, but in the church. Or Gnosticism. In the know. They had some higher knowledge that went beyond the Scripture. Then there was the sacramentalism when we think of the, uh, uh, the church that took on all the sacraments and everything revolved around that rather than the person of Christ. Rationalism also came in as time went on, a dominating force in the philosophies. Orthodoxism, uh, where it just became cold, cold religion, having truth but no love. Then there was experientialism. You moved from truth to feeling. Well, I don't care what that says. Here's the way I feel, and this is what I think is right. Apart from external revelation that comes from God, they would see it as internally, intuition. You move from the Word of God to everything subjective, subjectivism. And then there's psychology that definitely attacked the church in our times. We've seen that. Mysticism, it's a belief in all that. All all back in the 1990s, you had pragmatism. It's uh, whatever's popular, whatever works, whatever ministry can do. Truth is the servant of what works. Well, this is what works, so here's what the truth say. But I'm going to do whatever works. What what happens? You know, whoever has the biggest crowd got it right, right? Hey, just look at all the people that go to that place. It must be right. It must be good. And of course, now I think we uh, we have a relativism in the church today. 
you've got your truth, I've got my truth. It's a postmodernism. It's an emergent type church movement that uh, the church has seen and uh, continues to do where it doesn't want to be offensive to anyone. Word of God, though, is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We know the Holy Spirit convicts to what the whole idea is. And so we go into this next section. And uh, hang on. You ready? For men will be lovers of self. And uh, just like Luke had said, this is where everything else falls underneath. This is where it starts right here. Matter of fact, you can wrap it up in in brackets. Uh, lover of self. And at the end of this, it's at the end of verse 4, it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So you either love yourself or you love God. There's your brackets right there. These people were not loving God, but there are people that do that. It's the whole list bracketed by that. And uh, what you see here is narcissism at its worst. And, and, and in our times, with all of our, our um, I guess you could say, we're, we are our own paparazzi. <laughs> you understand what I mean? We're our own paparazzi and our own biggest fans. Self-love has a disregard for other people. <laughs> Selfies. <laughs> and I'm not saying, hey, that's wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. That's evil. But at the same time, it seems like we've become so infatuated with that thing. It's almost like, wow, you know, it's it's all about me. Look at me. Look what I do. Look what I'm all about. And and it can either appear that way or it can be that way. Just like anything else. Technology is great, but uh, we have to be careful with everything. So this, this uh, list just starts with the root cause of everything. Lover of self. A lover of self. Self-love has a disregard for other people. A lover of self. You don't need to develop proper self-esteem, self-love. This idea did not come into the Bible. Love yourself. But it came into the church about 40 years ago. And uh, there were godless men who had introduced things. Like Carl Rogers is one of them. Eric Fromm. And you know there were really only two great commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so they said, oh, see, you are to love yourself. No, it says love your neighbor as you already love yourself. That's the problem. You love yourself. It's about you, right? Scriptures tell us to uh, esteem others more than yourself. Okay. Okay. So it starts with that. If you have that, you get to see where everything goes. And here's another love, a love of money. This flows right out of self-love because the world tells you if you have more money, you'll be more happier because you can get more things. When you get more things, then you can get more other things. You can become famous. People love to be around you. You have money. Look what it does. You can have a more comfortable lifestyle. There's a danger of loving money as it says in First Timothy chapter 6, 9 and 10. The world daily feeds us that lie, and this is a, a hard battle and a war sometimes. The money's okay, it's the, loving it is the problem. And if we skip, and we're going to come back, but right at the, at the end of verse 4, lovers of pleasure, love of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. Doesn't that really say it all? That's what the world lives for. 
Um, Psalm 16.11 says, this is the proper aspect, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you nothing wrong with pleasure. That is what God gives us. We should have pleasure. But it's pleasure and pursuing the pleasure that comes from God. Anything outside of God that pursuing pleasure is worthless. And you look at that in Ecclesiastes. We are commanded to pursue and maintain our greatest joy and that's in God Himself. Now, the sins of character and conduct, and here we go. You've seen the, you've seen the self-love. You've seen the lovers of money. You've seen lovers of pleasure. That's what people are about. And it's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse. Here's what's in the church, folks. This is in the church. That who is who He's speaking to. We already know it's out in the world. It's been there forever. But it's in the church. Those four. This is an empty religion is what it is. Because verse 5 says, holding to a form of godliness, although they denied its power. That was what was coming into the church where Timothy was at. So they're boastful. Uh, full of empty boast about what they have to offer. An inward reality is not there. Then it says arrogant. Boastful, arrogant. Arrogant. Uh, attitude of the person. He's better than everyone else. It's about him, right? It's, it's, this is all self. Empty religion that has revilers. They're blasphemers. Do you see that? Revilers, blasphemers of God. They insult other people. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. I think uh, being, dis, uh, being obedient is emblematic of us, our relationship to God, isn't it? Obey your parents for this is right in the Lord. You know, legal systems today have it where children sue their parents. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's amazing. Sometimes they might need some protection. You know, if there's physical abuse, but we're talking about suing parents for over the least little things, and the culture embraces this. Anything they can do to take out the power of the parents, the home—that's where everything is at. The home is the foundation, and the foundation has crumbled. And even in the church, people are buying this kind of stuff. Ungrateful, and they refer to ungratefulness towards God in Romans 1.21, ungratefulness toward others, having a self-love about your own rights, ungrateful to receive God's grace. Those with the religion are unholy. That means they have no reverence for God, really. They really don't have a respect for the things of God. Romans 3.18 says there is no fear of God before their eyes. Number seven, their uh, empty religion is unloving. Unloving. Yeah, this is the word uh, astorge. And you, you take that word ah, and it means storge, which is a natural love. I think this is the only time in the Scriptures this is used here. And, but it's a natural affection that you have for anybody. Your family, friends, it's a natural affection. Anybody has that, usually. The, just natural there. Now, there's agape, in other words, that, you know, it's, it's phileo, but the agape is coming from God. Here, they don't, they don't even have this, a natural affection inside their family. So that's the reason we see kids killing parents, parents killing kids. 
uh, and all the relations that they have are terrible. Those with empty religion next are irreconcilable. They hold grudge. They seek ways to inflict revenge. Whenever they're wronged, they refuse to seek forgiveness. Such and such did wrong to me and I'm going to get back at them. That's the opposite of pursuing peace. The next one is malicious gossips. Diabolos. Malicious. We get our word devil from that. Diabolos. It literally means to throw something against someone. Malicious gossip is to spread half-truths or falsehoods about someone either to make them make yourself look good or make them look bad. The next one is Without self-control, through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Matter of fact, the fruit of the Spirit is totally against every one of these, isn't it? And it's not about self; it's about the Spirit of God in us, right? And so, uh, no, they, that means that word for self. They have no power. Without power, they can't control themselves. The next one, the brutal. Word means to be savage, to be untamed. It means to be fierce. Many Christians, you know, sometimes we watch so much brutality that it becomes kind of numb to us. And boy, you kind of forget about that sometimes. And it's you know we've seen it so much. But those who love violence, God's soul hates. They don't want to love violence. Next one is haters are good. This refers to hating God and His standards of righteousness. Just really hating God. Next one is treacherous. Those with empty religion are treacherous. That's the word used for Judas. Betray loyalty. Not being loyal. And it's about furthering own interest. The next one is reckless. This means to be rash or careless. Anything that has valuableness to it in God's sight, the reckless go for a cheap thrill without any kind of thought. Without any kind of... They don't see any danger in it. It's not necessarily about the church, but I see people diving off skyscrapers and off mountains and they may make it and may not. You know, you guys have seen all the, the extreme things people do today. But... Still yet, it's dangerous, isn't it? Empty religion, people are conceited, it says here. Conceited. It means to wrap up and smoke. To puff up with pride. Uh, inflated with your own sense of importance. I think that's just brought us to a full circle back to where we started. I think all of this is about self. And I think that's really why Jesus said, forget yourself. Die to self. Forget yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. Self is your flesh, is your enemy. That's not of God. He's talking about people that were in the church, made a profession of godliness, an empty religion. Are we lovers of God? And that's how that closes with, do you have a pleasure in loving God? Is your life about Him, right? You know what? In Romans, it, it talks, it gives us a list of sins, and 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 in here, I think this is what we see: they, they actually recruit followers to follow them. They start going the wrong way in the church, and they just start having other people come in and go right along with them, encouraging them in the things that they do. 
Evil raises its ugly head. We already know that. It's always doing that out in the world. A week ago, it proved it again. And it'll keep proving it and proving it and proving it. And yes, we are being good citizens. And yes, we are to vote. And yes, we really are the presidents here in this country in the sense that the people are to rule over and not to have the, the um, judges make decisions for a whole nation that the states have already made, right? You can get all mad about that and everything. But you know what? We could change it. And next year, it could be changed right back. Our hope is not in what the government's doing. I pray, though, that we would continue to have the peace and tranquility to be able to continue to give out the gospel without being arrested or shot at. And that does happen. Where does evil come from as it raises its ugly head? Well, the Bible is the only book with the answers for all of this right here because all these things can be a tendency for anybody to turn to. And you, you saw some of those. You said, ooh, that can be me. Ooh, that can be me. Dennis, why are you picking on me? Well, chances are, I hope there's other ones in here along with me that are saying, ooh, some of those are me. Our world is broken. Politicians, ethically, morally, spiritually. The culture says it's external. We know the problem is our own hearts. It's all internal. We have to reach out externally to Almighty God for the answer. And as He would just strip us of some of these things, and, uh, whether it be self-control or just not being grateful sometimes, just thinking about ourselves sometimes and not thinking about others, we can all fall into that trap. It's really easy. And so is what he's saying is realize this, but this kind of stuff has been around and it is. I think it, it can certainly mount because sometimes the people in the church, body, whole body of Christ, I say the church, takes the cue from the world. And so it's been said that the church is usually about 10 years behind what the world is doing. Thank you, guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and truth. Rather convicting here, but at the same time, it's quite the warning. And knowing that um, in our own lives, individually, we have difficult times. And we also know that there's difficult times as we're in the body of Christ, as we see uh, many churches have gone into liberalism or something therein between, and not having the high view of Scripture, not having the high view of God but uh, replacing uh, people uh, themselves on the throne, taking the, the king off and putting our, ourselves there. Lord, may we not ever desire that. We can see you as the king and continue to strip the sin away from us so that we can become more useful to you in our families, our neighborhoods, place of work, and right here in the church, and as we go out from here and we take the good news, help us to give that to people who need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to take that thought, our commitment to...
Christ as we remember Him. And so I invite you to come to the table. We just go whichever way is We get uh, ready to uh, prepare ourselves for uh, taking this communion. It's a valuable time as we fed off the Lord and the Word of God and other things in worship that we did. Uh, this is a, another means that we can call means of grace to be able to get our hearts closer to the Lord as we contemplate on Him. If I could uh, ask Luke to lead us in prayer. Father, it is a wonderful thing to know that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that we are to enjoy you forever. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the very fact that you have shed your blood on the cross and given yourself for us. That was the ultimate example of not loving self but loving others to the point that I will die for you. I will give you my life. I I will take your sin and I will give you my righteousness. I will impute unto you this righteousness that is not yours. You could not earn it. You cannot do anything to to receive this this righteousness. It is purely by grace. I'm giving it to you, and I'll take your sin and I'll nail it with me on the cross. And so Paul just expresses it beautifully. He says that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So the cross is the very central focus of of all of the Word of God, that that we can look to the cross and see that this wonderful example that is given to us, that you, our Father, have sent your Son to die for in our place. Lord, it's, it's inconceivable. It is amazing. 
So, Lord, I pray that, that in all of the Word of God that you've given us, and so that we might know you, that we might study the Word of God to know who this Christ is who died on the cross for us, that we may know your, the Father through Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, we look forward to the time that we're going to be with you for all eternity and we're going to learn about who you are. And our worship will be so rich because it's that it is filled with the presence of the Spirit of God. Lord, uh, I can't wait. I'm thankful for that. But oh Lord, I pray that you would please give us encouragement. The message today was on difficult times and we're going to face that. But Father, we know one thing for sure. It's all going to work out for good. That you've got a purpose for it and even though it just seems like, oh boy, oh man, this government is just really fouling up. We're in in for some really hard times here. But Lord, it's not true. You're in control. You're in control. And that even in the church we see things that are happening. We see the people we see the people not willing to rise up. We see the people not willing to take the truth of God. We see the people that say, Oh, it's not all by grace, I've done something. But Lord, I thank you, along with these saints who sit in this room today. We are so grateful for your life that you've given for us. In Jesus' name. blessing. We have surgeries this week we want to keep in mind. First of all, Barb had her surgery last week and shoulder surgery went well. We have tomorrow Andrew is going to have that surgery. It's gotten so bad that uh, it has to be done no matter what. And so keep that in prayer uh, and the doctors have told him that uh, it's possible he may not come out of this. Oh. He's like about 28. Um, so definitely be praying for him. He's scared. He went in there uh, pretty often on, uh, I guess it's Thursday, if that's right. But Thursday, he went in there, and he was supposed to call me back in a couple hours, and he didn't call back. And they said that he actually crashed when they were just taking blood from him. I guess his body is so deteriorated from lack of nutrition or whatever else. But his heart, they had a crash card on him before he woke back up. Wow. So he didn't even really know exactly. You know, that really. Well, no, it's just his body. He's not getting the nourishment that his body just any kind any little change in his body just really. Um, mm. Yeah, he's very. They really scared him up there. I mean, he he came out and he was really shook. He's really concerned that he's not going to make it. 
So that's a serious, serious surgery. That's a very rare disease he has. Um, and then Tuesday is Cindy, um, and that's that's going to be Tuesday. So Monday and Tuesday, and we've had some people hurting physically, <laughs> and so it's it's been a little tough. So we uh, definitely want to keep them in prayer here and throughout the rest of the week, and they recover. Dennis, I have a question. I have a friend. Her name is Lori, and she. A year ago, she had cancer. Wednesday morning, she had a heart attack. And on the way to the hospital, car hit the ambulance. And now she's got a fractured neck in her chest. And she's like an induced coma. And so she needs prayer. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Lori. She married me. Yeah, she is. I worked with her for probably about 12 Ten years really close with her and I worked together all the time, so we became really good friends. On the yeah, she got two two daughters. Seriously, I want to be able to thank the church for their prayers on Sunday. Uh, it was it was one of the way, one way or the other. I was I was right there as to whether or not I was going to have to go to the hospital and have IV and have pumped, pumped uh, antibiotics through my body. I did not want that. But it was this tucking, whatever they call that, tucking if or whatever. But I was on that, that verge there and I was really scared because I didn't know whether or not that infection was going to go through my body and that I was going to end up with uh, joints that were going to be infected and that I was going to be in really bad shape. So I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and this church prayed. And I was still there that day. God gets the credit for that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your that. And then Stan is able to join us today. That's a, that's a serious matter. <laughs> and... Uh, we're praying that you have a really good, quick recovery, and we'll continue to do that. But it sure is good to see you, because I know that that's uh, that's, uh, that's frustrating. You're, you're not a, you're a, an active person, <laughs> and uh, to have to sit for a long time has got to be really hard. The busy season. He's got a lot of busy hours. Thursday, family, and everything happening. Yeah, that's good to hear. So thankful for that. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you that uh, we can um, be amongst your people. And we we take uh, the the two urgent surgeries that are coming up on Andrew. Lord, just give the doctors the wisdom that they need to be able to do what has to be done. And Andrew can come out of that and recover and be much better than, than he has been for quite some time. And uh, so we definitely want to remember that. We also pray for Cindy as uh, they do the work on her and that uh, she'd be able to recover all of her senses. Thank you that she's been able to do what she has, but we know she has carotid arteries and blockage that's extreme. 
And so we know that that can be very serious too. And we must be keeping her in mind and prayers. Lord, uh, thank you for... Uh, oh, we must pray also for Lori. Um, very serious situation that she's in with all that, that's happened with her. And Lord, pray the family around her there. Lord, just uh, give these doctors and give the, the healing process to be able to uh, make all of these situations much better. It's all for your glory. Thank you for uh, Stan and how you brought him through that. We just pray for just a good recovery and that it would be quicker than what maybe it normally would be. But we uh, thank you for Stan. And uh, we thank you for Luke as he was... Uh, being brought through uh, with what could have been a really tough situation. and, and uh, So, Lord, we, we know that you are always caring, always dealing with that. You want your people to be praying for others and for their welfare. And I thank you for the opportunity that we can. Just give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Um.